Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on a new cover crop survey. Up first in today's country comment, we'll preview Manitoba Egg X, the province's largest all-breeds cattle show, starting Wednesday in Brandon. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Egg X, the province's largest all-breeds cattle show, gets underway in Brandon on Wednesday at the Keystone Centre. I caught up with event co-chair Dallas Johnson. Well, we'll be having our usual breed shows. We have six breeds this year. And the event starts on the Wednesday with uh, a little lady classic heifer calf jackpot and uh, a bull calf jackpot on Wednesday. And then the breed shows start Thursday with Angus and Shorthorn and Speckle Park. Friday is Hereford, Simitol, and uh, Charlet. And then Friday at 6.30 is our Supreme for overall champion, overall breed. And then Saturday is uh, the junior shows. Saturday is just the day that's just for the kids. How many cattle do you have this year? This year we're down to about 270 head of cattle, with, uh, which is down, but we expected that with uh, Manitoba Health Regulations and what you have to have done to get into the facility. So all shows across Western Canada are down in entries for, you know, more than that reason is a big issue this year. So numbers are down, but uh, it's going to be a great event. You know, how are things going to look with, with some of the COVID, um, I guess, uh, procedures? You know, what uh, what can people expect? Well, when you get to the event as a spectator, you will go to get in on the west side of the Ag Center of Excellence. And when you get in the door, you'll have to show your proof of vaccination. And then you'll uh, get a wristband and that would be the only time you would have to show your proof of vaccination. If you want to come every day, if you show your wristband, you'd be good to go. Anything, I guess, anything new this year um, that's, uh, you know, hasn't been there before? Uh, no, not really anything new. Just it's been a long time since we've had an event. So there's uh, everybody that's coming is excited to come because it's been a long time since people have got together and, in the cattle business, you're always looking forward to showcasing what you're raising at home and hopefully entice some other breeders to get interested in your program and buy a female or a bull from you in the future. How how big of an event is this for, for those attending? Well, for lots of people, it's a good show to get your cattle out before you go to Regina in November. It's a, it's a show that you can use to get the cattle used to the routine and... Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that'll be there with cattle that are in sales this fall. So it gets them out in front of people. People can see them. And then when the sale catalog comes out, they can relate to what they've seen already in person at a show. I guess, would this be the the first event uh, for the Provincial X uh, since uh, the pandemic hit? As far as an ag-related event, yes. There's been a couple of smaller outside jackpot shows and there's a lot of enthusiasm because people miss visiting and uh, getting together and the camaraderie of the business and uh, you know everybody that's coming to Brandon is coming because they want to be there and uh, yeah it'll be a good time 
people are really looking forward to getting out and seeing people again. All right. And if people want to, uh, if they want to attend, how do they do so? Just uh, you come to the Keystone Center in Brandon at the Ag Center of Excellence, which is the north end of the facility. There's doors on the west side, and that's where you'll go in. And then, yeah, once you're in, you have access to all the barns, and you can look at all the cattle will be there. All right. Is, is there tickets or, or admission is free? Or? Admission is free, yep. Okay. Excellent. Um, a- anything else you wanted to mention? or We're still selling tickets on our side-by-side, which is a, a fundraiser we're running right now, and that draw for that side-by-side will be on Saturday at noon. So somebody that's lucky is going to win a brand-new Polaris Ranger. That was Dallas Johnson. He's a co-chair with Manitoba AgEx, which gets underway Wednesday at the Keystone Centre in Brandon. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba AgEx is returning to the Keystone Centre in Brandon on Wednesday. Dallas Johnson is co-chair for the event. Well, we'll be having our usual breed shows. We have six breeds this year. And the event starts on the Wednesday with uh, a little lady classic heifer calf jackpot and uh, a bull calf jackpot on Wednesday. And then the breed shows start Thursday with Angus and Shorthorn and Speckle Park. Friday is Hereford, Simitol, and uh, Charlet. And then Friday at 6.30 is our Supreme for overall champion, overall breed. And then Saturday is the junior shows. Saturday is just a day that's just for the kids. Johnson says this year they'll have about 270 head of cattle, which is down from previous years. The event was cancelled last year due to COVID. Manitoba AgEx is the province's largest all-breeds cattle show. And following this year's drought, there's been some questions regarding seed availability for next spring. Jake Ayer is with Southern Seed near Minto. As seed growers, we work in a two, three, four, five-year cycle. We are multiplying uh, high pedigree seed every year. We're, we're making a plan, you know, into the future. We're not based off of a, a one-year plan. So always as seed growers, we're, we're carrying over stock. We're trying new varieties. We are trading with other growers. So we always look, like I said, into, in a couple-year cycle. So we always try to have adequate uh, supplies for the year or the, or the years to come, as you can never truly predict what the situation is. Air recommends that farmers talk to their seed grower as soon as possible. He adds the Seed Manitoba Guide is also a great resource to help make decisions for next year. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, October 25th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll have details on a new survey looking at cover cropping on the prairies. Researchers at the University of Manitoba have shared the results from the 2020 Prairie Cover Crop Survey. Here's graduate student Callum Morrison. Historically, farmers on the prairies have been quite sceptical towards cover crops. And uh, part of this is, of course, out here on the prairies, we don't have uh, um, a particularly long growing season. And we quite often have um, problems with moisture availability in the fall, which makes it difficult to establish a um, cover crop after um we've harvested a cash crop in the fall. So um, that means that it's been pretty difficult for farmers um, who've been trying to start out cover cropping. As there isn't yet to that uh, wealth of knowledge of how farmers are using cover crops in the prairies. 
And um, so what we did is back in 2019, we decided we needed to fill these knowledge gaps to really hear from these early innovating farmers who um, have recently adopted cover crops. So we launched the survey in 2019, and um, we had absolutely no idea how many people would respond. Um, I remember when we hit 80 farmers hearing back, that was um, seen as truly amazing, um, because as I say, we had absolutely no idea how many farmers were growing cover crops across the prairies. So through COVID, this project went from being um, one of our little side projects to then being uh, the main driver of, uh, of my research because uh, I would, was able to do it remotely. I was able to still engage with farmers um, over the phone online. Um, and then into the 2020 survey, we ended up hearing from 281 farmers across the three prairie provinces from um, areas like where I'm based in the Red River Valley, but right the way into, you know, some of the driest regions of Saskatchewan and uh, right the way up until the Peace River Valley in Alberta. So we got a very large uh, spread of farmers and um, these farmers grew over 100,000 acres of cover crops uh, between them. Talk a little bit more about some of those results. What types of crops they were growing? So um, I'd say some of the most Interesting results is, as I say, just the fact that uh, we have we, we now have proof that there is a, um, a number, quite a number of farmers um, growing cover crops in all regions of the prairie. So that kind of dispels some of the myths that um, it's impossible in uh, many of these regions. And I think some of the major findings is that um, uh, the majority of these farmers that responded told us that. Uh, they've seen benefits. So over 70% of farmers said that they've seen benefits from growing cover crops within the first three years. Um, most farmers on the prairies also identify that there are a number of challenges which are uh, limiting the use of cover crops. Um, these tend to be, obviously, uh, well, we would have imagined, uh, just like we imagined, due to uh, climate limitations, such as shortness of growing season and um, uh uh, lack of moisture in the fall, but also um, uh, lack of information scores quite highly, um, not wanting to add extra complexities onto the farm and such. But um, some of the most common uh, uh, windows for growing cover crops are after um, annual field crops, in particular barley, oats, and uh, spring wheat, but uh, we also see after canola featuring quite highly there, but uh, we found cover crops being grown um, after um, dozens of uh, cash crops on the prairies, from, as I say, the major um, cereal um, crops, right the way down to things like hemp, potatoes, vegetables, fruits. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there that the farmers are taking to work cover crops into their rotations. And, um, a lot of the most common uh, cover crops out there that we're seeing are um, oats, clovers, um, radishes, fall rye. Um, and again, there's a huge variation in the types of cover crops that farmers are using. Dozens of different types of uh, uh, cover crops we used uh, on the prairies last year. And uh, people select these cover crops um, depending on 
what goal they actually want to achieve. So uh, you'll see the actual species of cover crop used varying um, between different types of farmers as they quite often have different goals that they want to achieve. And Callum, talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, the impact on the bottom line. You know, what what were farmers saying about how how cover crops affected their uh, their income? Oh yes. Well, um, what uh, I'd like to discuss is forty seven percent of farmers told us that um, they couldn't identify the effect on um, the income either because they're so early in their adoption that they don't want to say, or maybe they're just don't feel confident enough that they've been measuring their economic outcomes yet. Uh, however, that being said, um, only 4% of farmers um, who were growing cover crops uh, in our survey told us that they'd actually seen a decrease in uh, their profit. 24% of farmers, so many, many times more, told us um, that they'd seen no change, um, categorically no change in their um, profit. And um, a further 24% said they'd actually seen an increase in their profit. Uh, but still, bear in mind, 47% of farmers said that uh, um, they weren't able to, uh, it was too early for them to say. So we may see um, more, as farmers are become using cover crops for longer, you may see um, this trend uh, telling us a bit more, but... Uh, at the moment, uh, farmers are the, uh, that, re- uh, that responded were far more likely to see an increase in their profit than a decrease. And going forward, um, what are some things that would encourage farmers to start growing cover crops? Oh, yes. Well, we asked farmers what would uh, enable cover crop use on their farms. And um, obviously, agriculture is a business. So uh, various financial incentives uh, seem to be the most um well-received by farmers uh, who took part in our surveys, such as payments for storing carbon. Um, but also we um, found that farmers um, would benefit from more information on um, uh, growing cover crops, uh, more scientific research, especially that that's uh, on a prairie uh, local scale. Um, and we also found that um uh, technical assistance and uh, creation of local groups may be uh, helpful. Um, we also found a number of farmers um, thought that decreased cover, uh, decreased uh, crop insurance premiums may be helpful, as well as acceptance of cover crops by uh, insurance bodies would also be uh, helpful. That was Callum Morrison. He's a graduate student at the University of Manitoba. Callum and Dr. Yvonne Lawley conducted a cover crop survey between October 2020 and April 2021. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District Meetings are on now. Go to their website for details. Manitoba Pork is hosting its Fall Producer Meetings this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. To register, email info at manitobapork.com. Those will be held virtually. Manitoba Egg X takes place October 27th to the 30th at the Keystone Centre in Brandon. And Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event November 10th entitled What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation. 
Check it out at OutdoorFarmShow.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, a new book has been released chronicling grain elevators on the prairies. Grain Elevators, Beacons on the Prairies features photographs by Chris Attrell and text by Christine Hanlon. Our own Jamie Giesbrecht chatted with Christine about the book. Well, I'm a city girl, but uh, every time I left the city, grain elevators were always there. They were always a part of the landscape. To me, the prairies and grain elevators go hand in hand. You know, I can't imagine one without the other. So learning about their story and and their importance was was really a, a journey of discovery for me. For sure. Now, in the opening uh, write-up in the book itself, you talk about how green elevators are beacons of the prairies and why exactly that is. It's uh, it's a long passage, but maybe you could share a little bit uh, with us about some of the history of grain elevators in the prairies and, and their beginnings. Well, I mean, frankly, the development of the prairies wouldn't have been possible without the grain elevators. People came here because uh, it, be, to grow grain, really. The farmers came from, from Europe and from uh, all over the place to from the west, uh, east as well. And uh, at first, uh, farmers used to take their grain in, in sacks to the, the, uh, the rail tracks to be picked up by the train. And of course, you know, that was very inefficient. And as soon as uh, the grain growing started to boom, uh, it, it became impossible to uh, to keep up. So somebody thought of this great idea. Instead of having the grains in sacks and loading them onto the grain, why don't we elevate the grain and use gravity to do the work <laughs> and pour it into the rail cars? Yeah. And for that, you needed grain elevators. For sure. Now, some of these grain elevators featured in this book are very, very old. Do you recall what some of the oldest ones are that you came across? Well, they go back. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the oldest ones were, but they, they go back into the uh, late 1800s, right? Wow. So, and, and one other thing I should mention about them is that there were so many of them. There were about 6,000 in the 1930s. And uh, they were because they had to be built about eight to 10 miles apart, because in those days, of course, you truck the grain where you didn't truck it. You you carried the grain in in a horse drawn wagon. And to be able to do that in one day back and forth. Right. You 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 had to have it close to the farm. So that's why they were about eight to 10 miles apart. And and towns grew up around them. Right. In the places know, eight to 10 miles apart on the rail line. Totally. Just like Winkler built around the railroad and around that grain elevator. And now it has developed so, so much that that grain elevator no longer really fit in with with what Winkler was doing. So that pioneer elevator is gone. But I clearly remember being a little girl and walking past it on my way to grandma's house in the middle of town. Like what a strange place to have a grain elevator. But I never realized we were actually in Morden over the summer, and one of the reasons we went there is we wanted to, to uh, visit the grain elevator actually out in Plum Coulee, which is very oh, close. Yes. Uh, of course, we couldn't, vi- as you say, we couldn't visit the one in Winkler because it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. But we did see the grain elevator in Morden, and then we went to Plum Coulee to visit the grain elevator there because it's actually a museum. Right. So it tells you about the history of the grain elevators and the agricultural history of the area and how central the grain elevators were to that. Yeah. How people, you know, came and they 
they would talk to the green agents and they would sit and play cards with them sometimes and they, they would buy their insurance from, from uh, the green agent there in the green elevator, their fertilizer, their rope, you know, all sorts of things. It was a real central part of the community. That was Christine Hanlon, author of Grain Elevators, Beacons on the Prairies, which also features photographs by Chris Attrell. She was chatting with our own Jamie Giesbrecht. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. A seed company near Minto says the drought this year shouldn't have a major impact on seed availability for next spring. Jake Ayer with Southern Seed says they plan multiple years into the future and don't depend on one single year. He had this advice for farmers. My advice would be for growers to contact their seed growers sooner rather than later, especially this year. We work with other seed growers across the prairies, so maybe I don't have uh, one variety, but I know a fellow down the road in Saskatchewan happens to have some. So we work together as a team for, uh, to ensure the success and viability of, of our industry and for our growers. Please contact your growers earlier this year as uh, perhaps maybe uh, you know they have supply or, or they need to bring supply in. Air adds the Seed Manitoba Guide is also a great resource to help make decisions for next year. And Manitoba's largest all-breeds cattle show is back at the Keystone Centre in Brandon starting on Wednesday. The event was cancelled last year due to COVID. Co-chair Dallas Johnson says it's great to be back. It's been a long time since we had an event, so there's uh, everybody that's coming is excited to come because it's been a long time since people have got together and in the cattle business, you're always looking forward to showcasing what you're raising at home and hopefully entice some other breeders to get interested in your program and buy a female or a bull from you in the future. Johnson says this year they'll have about 270 head of cattle, which is down from previous years. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.